Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Mr. Joe Foster, the owner, or I'm sorry, no longer the owner, but the founder of Reebok. 
So flash your mics, or let me hear some noise if you ever owned a pair of Reeboks. Anybody ever own Reeboks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good old Reeboks. Do. And, uh, they were just recently sold off by Adidas uh, last year for $2.2 billion, I believe. And they had an incredible story. At one point, uh, back in the 80s, they thought Reebok was literally going to be the Nike killer. Like Joe and his brother Jeff had come out of nowhere with this incredible, incredible shoe company and uh, made a massive impact, right? Massive impact. When when you're getting listed as the Nike killer, right, that's a, that's a big deal. And so we were excited to get to share some time with Joe uh, today. He's never been on Clubhouse, and you guys know how that can be. And so maybe he's having a little difficulty finding the room. I'm not sure. I'm going to continue to look for him. Uh, while we're doing that, uh, we still have a little bit of space for those of you that just listened to what Lolita had to share. And then some of the responses uh, to what she was saying, I thought they were really profound and phenomenal, right? In whom or what do you trust? I think that that's a powerful and a really, really, really important question that we all ask ask ourselves and then also make sure that we answer, right? It's one thing to ask yourself the question. It's another thing to take the time to truly be aware of the answer to that question. In whom or what do you trust? Because, you know, we can speak out of the side of our mouths sometimes. And I, I love it. Uh, Eric Thomas, he talk, he'll talk about this often. He'll say, show me your, your calendar, right? Show me your calendar, and I'll show you your future. And what he was referring to is the things that we are doing physically, our actions, where we spend space and time every day tells anyone on the outside who we are, right? We can say things out of the side of their mouth. We can say we believe this. We can say we trust in this. We can say we're pursuing this. But ultimately, it is our daily actions, our daily activities that, that, that show what we really trust in, right? One of the things that I used to teach when I first was teaching people about morning five, and I still will teach when we talk about writing our goals, is I want you to look at your gratitude list when you write down the things that you're thankful for, and then I want you to look at your goals, the things that you're chasing, and find out, do they line up? Because it's so interesting. I don't know if you've done this or not before, but I want you to look at your gratitude, look at your goals. It's so interesting. We will say that we are grateful for our, our kids. We are grateful for our family. We are grateful for uh, a sunrise. We, will, we are grateful for all of these things. Right, All of these gratitude things, a moment, an experience, a person. But then when we go over to the goals, the goals will be like, I want a bigger house. I want to make more money. Right? I want, I, want, I want this, I want this, I want this. And it's like, wait a minute. The things that bring you joy and pleasure are not the things that you're chasing. They're not aligned. 
And so when it comes to this question, in whom or what do you trust, having a full understanding of the answer to that is a great way for you to check and see if you are aligned. Are the actions you're taking daily aligned with your belief system? In a lot of cases, we find as humans that it's not. Because ultimately, as humans, are our, our, our curse as well as our gift, our blessing, is that we're creatures of habit, right? And over time, as adults, we just stack, slowly stack behaviors over time, and then subconsciously, we tend to speak, walk, talk, think in a certain manner based on habit. We become slaves to the habit, right? We become slaves to the habit. And so I really thought about this question a lot this morning. I thought about this question a lot this morning, and I love that Lolita brought it out even more. I love that Lolita really extracted it um, this morning, and I am excited to continue this conversation uh, even further. With that said, Mr. Joe Foster is in the room, founder of Reebok, and I am super excited for all of us to get to know him a little bit better today. This is a guy who believed with all of his heart in something and ultimately showed that belief in his actions and literally changed the world. Ladies and gentlemen, will you do me a favor? Will you welcome to the Breakfast with Champions room, Mr. Joe Foster? Mr. Foster, how are you, sir? Nope, you are you are on mute. If you are talking, Joe, you are on mute currently. The bottom right, you will see a button to unmute. There we go. Technology again. I have to rely upon my expert who's sitting next to me, but there you go. But, oh, thank you for that invitation, Glenn, and all those people. Wow, great. Fantastic. Yeah, yes, yeah. we're enjoying life. Thank you very much. And very glad to join your uh, Breakfast with Champions. Yes, Mr. Foster. We are super, super excited to have you here as well. Where are you clubhousing in from? Where are you located in the world right now? We're, we're in the UK. We're very near to Manchester. I don't know if you know Manchester. <clears throat> yes, yes, I do. But, I but do. this is this is where, where Reebok began. We began it here, a small town, Bolton, just outside Manchester. And this is where Reebok began. We happen to be here because we travel a lot. We really travel a lot. But we're we're back in the hometown, as it were, for a week. And then we're off to Mexico. <laughs> Running on the road. What is it about travel that excites you so much? Why do you guys like to travel so much? Um, well, you know, since being probably in my mid-twenties and certainly with uh, with Reebok when, from when I was 30, I just traveled. I just traveled and I went around the world so many times because in those days, you know, we didn't have these things, these, these wonderful sort of smartphones and uh, computers, laptops. We didn't have any of that. I just had to jump on an airplane if I wanted to do anything, meet people, spread the word. I had to get on an airplane with a handful of uh, American Express traveler's checks and go, go see people. And uh, that was the only way in those days to, well, spread the word, build your company. 
Yeah, I, I, I can imagine, right? I can only imagine how much travel you had to do to be able to create a global brand um, like you did. So with, with that said, Joe, I'd love to know what you think today, now that we have this technology that does make things easier to, uh, to connect and to communicate, do you think it's better or do you think that we built more muscles doing it, you know, the old way as far as, as, as traveling around and really getting face-to-face and knocking on doors. Uh, do you think the technology has made things better or has it made us lazier? That's what I want to know, Joe. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's, it's very difficult to compare something in the mid-20th century with today where we're two decades into the 21st century. So difficult. Sure. Um, however, I mean, so I can't, I can't change what I did. And, and I did it and I enjoyed it. Uh, not every day is enjoyable, but, you know, but having fun is very important. So traveling and meeting people, meeting people, very important. Now, putting people into your organization, very important. The right people, people that uh, work with you. Now, I've done an awful lot of podcasts. I think we're about 150, something like that, podcasts in Clubhouse. And this is great because you can communicate. And I, I do like Zoom because you can look at somebody across the table <clears throat> and it's just like being in the living room or in their office. So that's good. Today, it's different. But uh, I, I think we have to we have to be willing to travel. We have to be willing to do that. And a lot of people are not too willing to jump on an airplane every other week and travel 4,000 miles uh, to meet people. But that was very rewarding because there were fewer people to challenge you. So today, everybody can challenge you. So the challenges are different. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's like you, you, do, you do things, but you never do them on your own. You can do so much, but you really need people. So I think now you can meet so many people. I have met so many people now that maybe I should have met many years ago. And they're incredible people. So it gives you this you know, social media. Now it gives you the choice to meet many, many more, many, many interesting people, people who share your dream. Whereas, you know, go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, that had to be done at the NSJ show in Chicago or at the, uh, the show in, uh, what was it, in Munich in Germany for the European shows. And these things, you had to travel, you had to meet and you had to talk to people. And hopefully, and luckily, I managed to talk to the right people. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, right? So the relationship capital and the opportunities that can only be created through relationships. We can have a dream, we can have a vision, we can have drive, we can have desire, right? But if right. we don't have people on the team, the right people on the team, uh, we're, we're not going to be able to get there. You know, Joe, there are tons of things I could ask you Um you know, along the way when it comes to Reebok, obviously it is an honor to be able to spend uh, some, some, some time with you. I am of the belief system myself, though, that, you know, some of the stuff on Reebok, like if you guys want to know how what they did with Reebok, like Google it. It's there, right? We can, we can find that info, information quickly. What we can't find is direct one-on-one opportunities to have conversations with the founder of Reebok, right? That's different. And so I'm right. not gonna go I'm not gonna go too deep into, you know, where did the company start and how was it founded and all of those things because we can go to Google and we can find that. 
what I would like to know is a little bit more, you know, about you now and maybe some of your thoughts now that you have a little bit more wisdom. I believe you're 86 years old as of now. So uh, you've got uh, you, you got a few a couple more years on me. You've got a couple years on me. A okay. Years of okay. wisdom. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you that. And, and, and so I'd like to know kind of your thoughts and feelings as um, Reebok, or I, I guess it was Adidas sold Reebok right for 2.2 million last last year. Is that right? Well, it only on the first of March, two days ago, it completed. Oh, only okay. two, days two days ago. Yeah, yeah well, they spent so. they spent six months. So, you know, a, a business like uh, by Reebok, a, a global business, you know, there are so many places to go that they have to change because when it was with Adidas, they more or less shared a lot of properties. They shared a lot of retail. They shared an awful lot. So separating that took six months. Um, but yes, yes, yesterday, fantastic, ABG. Now Reebok are out from the shadow, which is the main thing. Um, wow. But let me, let, me, let me take you back to Google. You mentioned Google. And you know, I've written a book. I, I assume that you know that I've written Shoemaker. Yes, sir. And uh, why did I write Shoemaker? For ego, for whatever. I wrote it because I, I, I retired at the end of 1989 and sat back in Tenerife, nice sun, and I had a computer. And I'm looking at my computer and I'm looking at Google, I'm looking at Wikipedia. And they're telling me how Reebok started. They even have a photograph of Joe Foster, founder of Reebok. It wasn't me. Stories weren't right. And so I thought, well, the only way to answer this is write a book. Let me tell my story. And then once it's in a book and it's down, <clears throat> that's it. People will know. Uh, so it's amazing. And uh, yes, it, uh, it, it's been enlightening for me writing the book because so many people know um, they're looking at the book and they say, did you really do that? Really? Did this happen? And, you know, even I sometimes wonder, how, how did I manage to do this? There were two of us, <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, my brother, and he loved the factory. He absolutely loved the factory. He wanted to make shoes. I'm, oh, great. So, Jeff, you make the shoes. And Jeff was saying, well, you do everything else then. Well, yeah, okay. I'll do everything else. That means making all the mistakes. It means doing the stupid things, doing the traveling, getting it wrong, getting it right sometimes, and uh, having a lot of luck. Sometimes a lot of bad luck, but we did. We did. We we had a lot of luck. We, but you know, I first went to America to get into the American market um, in 1968. I didn't get there until 1979. Yeah, a long period, didn't it? You know, keep going to America, knocking on that door. I've got some nice shoes. I need to sell them to you guys in America. Um, <clears throat> but we had to have luck along the way. And our luck was the fact that running became something big. And uh, it grew from sort of the late 1960s right through to 1980s. So the 70s, the 90s, that was the real growth in, in running. And Phil Knight, Nike, Phil Knight, he was doing really good. But he was on the market. I was over here in the UK. You know, I'm 5,000, well, I think 3,000 miles away from the action. So I had to do my best to try and get across there. Fortunately, running and the magazine Runner's World gave me that entrance. They they decided, well, Bob Anderson of uh, Runner's World, he decided 
he could tell everybody by 1975 which was the number one shoe in the world. And it was a Nike, of course. And Phil Knight had the problem then of how does he meet the demand? Because 350 million Americans, 10% were running, that's 35 million, and probably 10% of that 35 million, three and a half million, wanted to buy his shoe. And he was importing them from Japan. <laughs> well, it didn't work. You couldn't get that uplift in production. And so Bob Anderson also changed, which was the number one shoe, a year after. That didn't work either. So Bob Anderson decided to have star ratings. And five-star shoe, that would be, those would all be a number one, five-star shoes. And I knew we could make a, a five-star shoe, which was, that was the good thing. I knew we could do that. And we did. And by 1979, I had my shoe in Chicago. We were there at the exhibition. I had Kmart come along and he wanted 25,000 pairs. <clears throat> and that was about six months work for our factory. But you know, we were going for five-star shoes. So I'd also, I'd also made some deals with uh, Barter. They were the biggest shoemakers in, in the world at that time. And they would help me with manufacturing. But then Kmart said, but we want a better price. And that meant going to South Korea, certainly Asia. So uh, I'd also made arrangements with some people in Korea. So we could, we could handle that. That's great. But Kmart, Kmart are a big operation. And I, I, I worried, 25,000 pairs. Yeah, hmm. nice order. Might be my first order and my, my last order. But you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm there in Chicago in 1979. And a guy called Paul Feynman, you've probably heard of Paul Feynman. He, he, he was a genius, he was really good. He oh, came yeah. along. Yeah, and he came along. He was running Boston Camping, which is a small outdoor camping outfit with his brother and his brother-in-law. And I could tell he was a little bit fed up of being there because they were doing the same thing year on year on year and year. And he said, Joe, I'd love to be your distributor, but we need a five-star shoe. I said, come on, Paul, come and have a look at what I've got here. I'll stay. Hey. Paul said, okay, okay. But it's not a five-star shoe yet, is it, Joe? No, but I know it's going to be. Mm. He said, but, you know, we really we, we really need it to be a five-star shoe. It needs to be there in print. I said, okay. Now, the shoe. Hey, listeners. If you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Uh, the shoe edition of Runner's World didn't come out till August. Well, it actually came out the last week in July. I went over to America and I saw Kmart and had a conversation with them. I went to see Paul in Boston, saw his nice outfit. Yeah, it was great. But great to, uh, you know have a bolt-on company here, put Reebok in here. Anyway, the last week in July, I picked the phone up to Paul and said, Paul, why don't you go into the local kiosk? I'm sure that runners will be there by now. Right. An hour later, Paul came back. Joe, Aztec, you got it, five stars. But we also got two other five stars. One was for the spike track shoe Inca, and the other one was for racing shoe Midas. So we had three five-star shoes. And that is how we got into America. That is how we really grew. 
wild, man. <laughs> I, I, I love how all of the pieces come together. And what I really love is you mentioned the timing, the timing of running starting to become really popular, right? Work for us. Work for us. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I think that that's um, fascinating. One of the things that I'm studying right now, and I really appreciate you sharing that story, Joe. And one of the things that I'm, I've been studying right now is, you know, a lot of the outliers that have been able to, to really shift and shape the world like you, uh, timing definitely played a part in it. Now, there were other people that existed in that timing that didn't take advantage, but you and your brother uh, made sure to do whatever it takes to take advantage of this wave that, that, that was happening at that particular time. And so I'm curious, as you look at the sale that happened three days ago, or I'm sorry, yeah, three days ago. Yep, yep. As you look at that sale, what do you, how did, like, how did you feel? How do you, how do you feel during that transaction? And, and, and as you look back over this journey, this whole journey from the very beginning in 69 to now, uh, what types of, like, feelings does that bring to you and what can you share with us uh, maybe I don't want to say like a regret or something that maybe you wish you would have done differently or even something that you're like I am so glad we made that one decision right there well you know I, I get asked this question a lot do you, do you have any regrets do you uh, you know would you regret selling or whatever and my my simple answer to that is that uh, in, in the mid, mid to late 1980s, we became number one. We became bigger than Nike, bigger than Adidas. You become a number one. So what is there to regret? Yeah, I and that, that. You guys took it all the way to the top. <laughs> yeah, we went to the top. I mean, the, the things that I'm very sad about is the fact that just as we got into America, just as we got Paul uh, with three five-star shoes, my brother was taken ill and he died. And that was what, one of the saddest days of my life. But what it does, or what it did for me, is it probably gave me the strength to say, okay, we're really gonna do it. So it probably made me work, if I could work 10 times harder, 10 times harder to, to make this, these things happen. And uh, I, uh, so today, if, if I have any regrets, is I regret that Jeff <clears throat> is not here. He's not here to, to see, well, what has happened. And now ABG, Reebok is now out from under the shadow of Adidas. Adidas bought Reebok because the story was Adidas and Reebok together, they would really challenge Nike because Nike has really taken off. And, uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> they paid a lot of money for Reebok. And when you pay a lot of money for a company, I guess you can do what you want. So they took a lot of the value out of Reebok and put it into Adidas. You can't blame them for that because they paid an awful lot of money. But unfortunately for Reebok, it put Reebok in the shadow. And Reebok went from a near $4 billion company to just about $1.5 billion before eventually Adidas gave up. Adidas tried to say, well, Reebok, you are a fitness company and we are a sports company. Unfortunately, Reebok were also a sports company. So we were trying to take the same space. And so now ABG, it's uh, taken over the company, and of course, that Shaq O'Neal is uh, 
uh, it's the second biggest uh, investor in the company. So he's, he's a shareholder and he loves Reebok. So I have every, oh, I have every confidence now that this is going to be great. Uh, you're going to see Reebok in the stores so much. You're going to see it because the deals have been done that the retail now will really be selling Reebok. And then beyond that, I hope to talk to uh, Jamie Slater and, uh, and his team. And I hope that we can work together because we're, we're over in America from the mid, mid July, I think it is to the mid September with, with, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to different cities and we're talking about Reebok. So, uh, and we're talking about, we're talking about Schumacher. Sounds like you're, um, sounds like you still got that competitive spirit, Joe. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cha- the challenge is back now. The challenge is back. It really is. It's, it's fantastic. We, um, I left at the end of 1989 because the challenge had gone. We'd become a corporate company. You know, we've got lots of lawyers, lots of accountants, and lots of people in between. And I'm just traveling the world and being picked up at the airport in a limousine going to the uh, best hotels, eating at the best restaurants. But, you know, the business was somewhere else. So the challenge had gone. It was nice to be sort of um, going around as an ambassador, but that's, that, that's not my life. So, but now, now the company's back in, uh, in good hands and we've got Shoemaker. Shoemaker, the book, we're, we're trying to get that to a bestseller. So that's why we'll be traveling through America, I say, for three months. That'll be great. Going to enjoy it. Well, I love that, and I love the hearing hearing that competitive nature in you. You're like, come on now, we're gonna go around. We're gonna talk about this book. Speaking of that book, uh, Dora Maria, if you're in the room, do you mind pinning the link to Shoemaker, the book, up there to the top of the room? One of the things that we can do here, uh, Breakfast of Champions, is we can we can support uh, this this uh, this fight, right? I, the, the dogs, the underdogs. Up That's it. I love it. Do you, so do you think they'll actually call you? I know you, you, you would hope for them to call. Do you think they'll give you a call? Um, <clears throat> we, we will be making contact. Who gives who a call? I don't know. We, we, we've already made tentative contact, but we, we really couldn't say much before the beginning of March because okay. the company was still Adidas. They still owned it. Everything was being put in place, but the deal was actually completed. Let's say on the last day in February, um, the 28th. So the first day of March, that was the first day that everything was starting up. So I expect in probably the next few days, we'll, well, we're in Mexico, actually. We go on Sunday, we go to Mexico to launch the book in Spanish. So oh, wow. Mexico, we're in Mexico City. We've got a big launch coming up there, which is going to be very interesting. So yeah, life is so very gonna, interesting at the moment. What are you going to tell them? When, you, when, when they call what what do you think the best strategy is for them to go from being the underdog to back to number one, the Nike killer as Reebok was once touted as? Uh, <laughs> how do we? Uh, what what, what, are you, what are you going to tell them? What do you think the strategy is? Well, I think the main the one of the things the first thing they're doing, and it and it's part of their culture anyway. It's part of their business. Is they're going to make the shoe very very visible. We're Reebok have been starved of being seen in retail. Um, ABG are very strong at retail. Globally, they're in, incredible. So shoes will suddenly appear. I think they're expecting it, the company from 
I think less than two billion to be over four billion at the end of 22 and five billion in 23. And I think by 2030, um, they expect to be 10 billion. So they have ambition. And, you know, I think, I think they want to run the brand and really sort of build it. Um, okay, strategy. I don't know what the strategy is yet, but I, I think they're going to put a strategy in there to uh, maximize both performance and fashion because they're big at fashion. So it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, there's so much, there's such a wealth of history to pull on. They can really go back onto history. And this is one of the things I will be talking about. Look, you know, I'm, I'm too old. If, if, you, if you want marketing now, get a young guy. <laughs> get somebody young. They're the guys who know where the world's going. You know, I, I'm quite happy to, to be there and say, this is what we did. And yeah, I'm happy to say, look, we've got to get people back into loving the brand. You know, they've got to associate with the brand and feel the brand. And, and I think that is so important. So, uh, yeah, it'd be great to sit down and talk to the guys and say, where are we going? I, I, if, I, if I were them, I'd be calling you. That's, that, that's for sure. Would you say, and the reason I'm asking these questions is I think it's important. You know, we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in the room. We have a lot of people that are starting their own uh, businesses, their own, their own companies that have visions and dreams of, of building a global brand. So in that, in that conversation, when you have that conversation, is there any um, mistakes that you would tell them to avoid? Is there anything you'd say, well, definitely, definitely don't do this. We tried this and that didn't work. So <laughs> gaining tons of visibility would be important, and that would be important to all yes. of us that have our businesses. Yes. What are some mistakes that we should avoid? Avoid egos. <laughs> they, they, they really are. They are difficult. Egos, if you get somebody there who is full of themselves and not the company, then they tend to be thinking of themselves. Yeah, you, they've got to be part of a team. So avoid egos. I, we, I, I had more than one occasion to be uh, with the company when we had these presentations. And the presentation was more about the guy who was presenting than the product that we're trying to present. And it was like, just a minute, you know, I was not talking about Reebok. It's like nobody, nobody really knows Joe Foster. Few people start to know me now, but it was never for me to talk about Joe Foster. It was always Reebok. That's the company, and that will go on and on and on. It's got so, you know, it's got a journey, and that journey can go on. My journey, okay, I get tired these days. You know, I've got to sit down a bit more. Uh, you know, I can't do the things I used to do, and. So it's got to be about the brand. So egos, egos do get in the way. And uh, it's better to say somebody who's got a big ego, well, don't think really of a Reebok man and let them go. So egos, that's one of the things you've got to avoid. Definitely got to avoid the egos. I love that. And uh, Dora Maria, I clicked on that link there at the top. Uh, tell me what that's all about, Joe. So it looks like when we click on that, that link it's got some little little rebox and some signs is it signed copies of the book am i, am I seeing that right at jw foster heritage you're seeing jw foster heritage i don't really know what that little pattern of things is uh, i'll ask julie julie can you tell me what this is that's appeared on on, on our screen <laughs> 
She's busy doing something at the moment. So it won't oh, be a second, okay. no but what's that? All right, I, I will oh, help you out there, Joe. The image is, is just uh, It's just people. Uh, it's just yeah. the, the people that are on the event. This event? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Don't worry about that. That's fine. All right. No, it's nothing. Okay. Jill has put me to rights. No problem. Not going to worry about it. Yes, J.D. Foster Heritage. That is uh, that is our company that is uh, looking after the Foster brand. I don't know. I mean, if you've read the book, we go way back to 1895. And Ooh. in 1895, my grandfather invented the spike running shoe. So there we go. That's, that's where we go yeah. back to. And we've, we, we've had a lot of inventions. And he started and he got gold medals. Have you heard of the film Chariots of Fire? I have, yes, sir. Well, that, that, that is three athletes, the British athletes, and they all won gold medals in the 1920s. Uh, it's uh, Eric Liddell, um, Harold Abrahams, and Lord Burley. They all won gold medals, and they've been immortalized in that film, Chariots of Fire. And they, are, they all wore my grandfather's shoes when they won their medals. Wow. And so, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely. Incredible history. And my grandfather, he, he, was an inf he, he knew about influencers <clears throat> way, way back. In 1904, uh, a guy called Alf Shrub won, well, broke three world records in one, one race in Foster's shoes. But of course, my grandfather gave him the shoes and that, this is all part of influencing. And uh, we have a letterhead from 1920s. And on it, uh, in the bottom corner is uh, Jade Bufosters supplied every athlete in the Antwerp Games of 19 to Olympic Games of 1920. Uh, quite a statement. <laughs> um, yes, indeed, indeed. And I love that you kind of think that the influencer thing is a, is, is a newer thing, right, with social media and so on and so forth. But right. the power, the principles behind uh, having someone of authority that 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 is using your product or that is promoting your product that's been around for forever right absolutely absolutely forever yeah and um, and, it, and it worked for my grandfather uh, it really did the only problem is he died quite young 54 i think he was he died uh, 53 he died in 1933 and uh, i wasn't born till 1935 but i did happen to be born on his birthday so that's why I am called Joe as well. That's incredible. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Joe, talk to me about along the way, who were uh, some of the people in your, in, in your corner? Because I know it takes a, a, a huge support, right? You've got to have great partnerships, great relationships in order to be able to run as hard as you were able to run. Like even just now, you were like, hey, Joe, what does it say here on the screen? <laughs> Right, you've got people there for support. Who were right. one or two of the the most influential and impactful and supportive people in your life? And what is maybe a lesson or two you learned from them? Well, I, I you know, nobody knows who they are. They're they're people who impacted my life, but they they're not famous. They were just good at what they did. Um, one guy was called John Willie Johnson, Johnny Johnson, and uh, he was much older than me. But uh, we were a very small company. And those days in the United Kingdom, the industry was all moving far to the Far East. And a lot of the industry was closing down. And as these uh, shoe uh, manufacturers closed down, all whatever they had, the machinery, et cetera, they went to auction. 
And so I was going to the auctions. And I met this uh, Johnny Johnson at the auction. He never bid for anything, but he just sat in the chair. And the auctioneer, you know, I, there's so much rubbish that is sold at these places, <laughs> everything. And any time that nobody bid for anything, they would look, the auctioneer would look at John and John would just nod. So he was really the clearest man and he cleared everything. And uh, I, I suppose I only sort of lived about 15 miles away. And John suggested, why don't we travel to, to these auctions together? Because I, I would sat and I'd talk to him about things. And I'd asked him what he did with all these bits and pieces that he bought. So the next auction, I went along to his factory. And his factory was massive, big factory. They made slippers. And uh, he was willing if he made about five cents a pair. He was happy with that. But uh, I said, what do you do with all this, all this stuff that you buy? And he said, oh, come on. And we went across to another big mill. And this is absolutely full of everything, just like in Aladdin's cave. He had stuffed bears, stuffed crocodiles, anything you could think. All the stuff that he bought at these auctions. And uh, we're walking past the machine. And I said, John, I'd love a machine. Can I buy this machine off you? And he said, no. Oh, well, can I rent it off you then? And he said, no. He said, you can have it. Just give it me back when you finish with it. Oh, thank you, John. And not only that, his man put it on the wagon, took it down to my small factory, put it onto our production line and weighed it up. And after that, he used to give me a, a call and say, look, Joe, I picked up this machine. Um, we don't want it. Would you like it? And I'm pretty sure he only actually bought it for me. Now, those sort of guys, you know, and, and they helped us you know, so much. Be a machine that we could probably never even think of buying. He would just buy, he would give it to us, and his word was, give it me back when you finish with it. Which, so those are the sort of people, incredible. We almost went out of business because we had a distributor in the United Kingdom who went out of business and that almost took us out of business. It also meant that our production was cut by about 80%. And there were three or four different manufacturers, sports manufacturers, or just retailers who just came on to me and said, Joe, I want 200 pairs of shoes a week. And it just filled our factory. Again. And these have become friends friends that you've made by you talk to them and you you share your, your stories uh, and they with those friends we survived so those are the people said so they're, they're sort of unsung heroes nobody knows them i know them very well and although most of them have passed by now um, they're still very dear to me that's incredible i can just i can envision you walking through you know, with him in this cave of wonders, right? <laughs> cave right. Of wonders, and then I, I like that so much. Here, you can you can have it. Just give it back when you're done. Just, just give it back <laughs> to me when you're done with it, right? That's <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> what an incredible person to have in your life. That's really, really, really special. I can just, I can just imagine what that was like. Hey, Joe. They don't give me enough time with uh, with people with people like you. And uh, I really appreciate you spending the time with us here in this in this room. I'd love to uh, use our last few minutes. And if there's any, uh, well, one thing I like to do, Joe, and I'm 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 going to do this real quick. We're going to put you on 
on top of a mountain real quick. Okay. Okay. So you are on top of a mountain and I want you to just imagine Joe that all of civilization is at the base of the mountain. All of them, everybody, 14 billion people, right? And they're, 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 they're cheering your name. They're cheering your name, right? They're going, Shoemaker, 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 right? right? They're cheering for you. And, they, and someone walks over and they hand you a mic. And they hand you this microphone and they say, Joe, you have two minutes. Two minutes to share some practical application wisdom, something that these people can apply in their lives today, this week, this month, this year. What, what would you tell them? Well, I tell them, firstly, what they really need to do is to enjoy their life. Have fun, whatever you're doing. The most important thing in a business is to have fun. Really make sure. Otherwise, you won't make it. You will not make it because you will reach, you know, you will have so many challenges. And uh, unless you're in love with your brand, unless you're in love and you're enjoying what you're doing, you will not make that hurdle. We had so many, you know, we had to change our name. We started businesses, Mercury Sports Football, and we tried to register that and we couldn't because somebody else had registered it. So we had to look for a new name. And quickly, all I can say is that I have to take to 1943 during World War II. I won a race, a 60 yard race. And my, what did I get? My prize, it wasn't a football, it was a dictionary. And I'm eight years old. <laughs> and, and I'm saying to the guy, where's the football? I'm only eight years old. And I took the dictionary. I was probably very ungrateful at the time, but I took the dictionary. And the dictionary was a Webster's American dictionary. So the American spelling of a lot of things, slightly different than the English spelling. But we have to look for a new name. And we thought of a number, but my dictionary sat next to me in 1960 when we had to change our name. I opened it at the letter R. I love the letter R. And I start thumbing. Soon I come across R, double E, B, okay. What's that? Reba, Reba. It's a small South African gazelle. Gazelle, we're a running company. Gazelle, that's it. So, you know, you just look at things and whatever might seem to be very odd in life can sometimes be an absolute life changer. And that changed our lives. We became Reebok. And now everybody knows Reebok throughout the world. So, you know, expect there to be problems. But look at those problems as challenges. And uh, if you do that, you'll get the excitement of finding something different and something new, and probably even better. We did that on two occasions. Adidas made us get away from our original silhouette because they said it, it, uh, it sort of, uh, well, it was infringing the three stripes. And so we chose a different one and we had, we chose the vector. So we got a better name and a better silhouette out of being challenged. So expect challenges, but be ready or be ready because that's an exciting time and it can make your business change. So, you know, be prepared for everything and enjoy it. I love it. I think that those are powerful words of wisdom, right? Right at the gate. Have fun. Have fun. Or you're not going to make it. If you don't love it, it's not, you're just not going to make it. And 
making sure that you see the magic that comes from the challenges. I can just imagine you getting handed a dictionary after winning a race. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) That is a hilarious image. Joe, thank you so much. You were so kind to share your time and the space with us. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.